1: Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. I'm Alyssa Gadeski here with my co-host Haley Chura. And Haley, we are into December. I like cannot even believe actually that it is December and I'm looking at our spreadsheet of upcoming guests and like we have a jam-packed right to the last week um, lineup for all of our listeners, which I'm sure everyone's very grateful for to us for. But it's wild. Time is flying. I feel like your off season is probably just slipping through your fingers. What have you been up to?
2: I'm I'm just enjoying each day as it comes. I think I'm glad we're still we you know we're still here, we're still chatting, uh giving folks uh something to listen to on their off season ish runs or maybe getting back into season runs, maybe walks, maybe shopping trips, maybe online shopping from their computer. They just play us (laughs) while while doing their online shopping. So whatever you're doing this time of year, we're glad we can keep you company. Send us to our mailbag what your favorite activity is to listen to us during. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. Um, I'm just trying to embrace embrace the seasons. I think uh, we talked last week about how on my dog walks now, even though it's dark, it's been nice to admire some of the holiday lights and downtown Bozeman, they just put up a lot of holiday decorations, which is very nice. I get to admire them on my way to the pool in the morning. And, um, I had one traumatic incident this past weekend when I, um, I was on the bike Saturday morning and I like, I had to change some batteries in like the remote that controls my fan because I'm very high maintenance. And I just was like looking and I noticed some like animal droppings in Uh there. And I was like, oh no. And they did not look like mouse droppings. I've had mouse (laughs) issues in the past. And I have mouse traps in there, and all the traps were still set. Oh no. And so I get off the bike and I like move the car out so I could like see better. And there's like droppings everywhere like oh my gosh the- and I was like there's an animal in here and so I I was like freaking out and um and then I spotted in a planter a bunny <laughs> in my garage <laughs> and I screamed Alyssa like you would have How thought we didn't find the bunny first well Cowboy wasn't in the garage. I'd kept okay. him in the house because yeah, um just because there was like a lot going on and I just I was doing a fairly long ride and it's a long time for him to be out there. So I actually okay. didn't have him out in the garage. Oh, I mean, oh my maybe gosh. thank goodness because yeah. that could have like made an even bigger mess and it just took me a little while. I was like 20 minutes into my ride when I figured all this out. and I just like screamed. I um discovered I'm really afraid of bunnies. <laughs> it was very traumatic i'm like calling anyone who will pick up their phone um was he moving did he start hopping around well at that point he was alive he was definitely alive and it was i do think i had i had friday night i had gone out and i had like taught a swim lesson to a friend and so i had come back in the dark and i must have gotten in like when i parked car that night. And so I just didn't notice it. So it was in there overnight. And that's why there were like a lot of droppings and just, but then it gets bundled up in the planter. Um, And so I just didn't know if something was wrong with it. And I, am like trying to be brave. I'm like, I understand. Like, I mean, all the animals went through my head when I saw the droppings. Like I was thinking, you know, rat, which I'm like, right. I, I'm going to have to call an exterminator. I'm going to have to like, like a raccoon a or like skunk or like something crazy. So bunny is best case scenario, but it doesn't mean <laughs> I wasn't afraid. And, um, anyway, thank you to the folks who, who answered the phone and gave advice. Um, you know, I had advice from like, I had like leftover salad. I tried to make like a little, like path (laughs) like a trail yeah did
1: it hop its way out no
2: it didn't (laughs) and then I tried using a broom to like hit the box on the side and like scare it and it was like gonna jump at me and I was like because it crawled it crawled from the planter up onto like a box oh my god and I was just like what is happening and I I was about to let cowboy out there I just didn't want one I didn't want cowboy to like if there's something wrong with the bunny I didn't I want cowboy to kill the bunny. And like, then I have to deal with the dead bunny. Um, right. I don't know if cowboy would, but yeah. two, I didn't want cowboy to like chase the bunny into the street or chase it far away. And then like something happens to cowboy and then right. I have to deal with that trauma. Um, and so that was my thought, but I was close to like just letting cowboy out there. Cause I was just, I was so paralyzed by fear. And finally this woman was walking by and she lives down the street and her name's Nancy. And I was like, I actually couldn't think of her name. I just knew her dog's name, and I'm like, "Sunny, Sunny." Don't get funny. <laughs> and I was like, "Are you afraid of bunnies?" <laughs> and she was like, "What?" <laughs> anyway, Nancy comes in. I remembered her name finally um, because my brain was not working well. But she comes in, and she was just going to pick wearing, it up with like her hands. Gifts in a
1: sports bra while oh, you were yeah. flagging
2: them down. Amazing, and, okay. And just bike checking. shoes and all <laughs> that. And actually, she comes in. And she's like, "Oh, great bike." And I was like. Thank you. It's over there. Um and she was just going to pick it up with her hands. And I was like, "No, Nancy, no." And so I gave <laughs> her the broom and so she just she poked it with the broom and then it hopped out and then her dog Sunny like chased it a little bit, but she's like, yeah. "Oh, I'm glad you didn't let that bunny stay in your house because there's something wrong with it and they'll cause a lot of destruction." And I was like, at no point was I going to let it stay. (laughs) That (laughs) thought never crossed my mind. Um, I was like, I mean, I caused enough destruction to my psyche in just like the last five minutes wrong with it. Was it
1: like, could it have been like about to have babies or
2: something? Oh my gosh. I know that would have been worse. I mean, my guess is that, uh, maybe I don't know. And also hadn't had any food or water for, 12 hours or something. Right. Right. You no. Know? So it probably wasn't doing super well. I mean, I don't think it wanted to be in my garage necessarily. I think it just got trapped in there yeah. overnight. And so it probably spent the whole night. That's why I had gone all over, was like looking for a way out. But, um, anyway, thank you, Nancy. I'm surprised to learn really that bunnies poop a lot. A lot. All
1: over. I mean, I it was scared <laughs> of so that, like made it more, but yeah. Interesting. Huh?
2: Yeah. So yeah. If you, uh, I learned who to call in an emergency and who not to call. I learned a lot. I learned that I'm afraid of everything. And I think this has given me some empathy. We get a lot of mailbag questions about people who, uh, you know, are afraid of open water or things like that, like certain fears, um, related to triathlon and, and I don't have a fear of open water, but I have plenty of other phobias. And I do think, you know, at some point there's like exposure therapy, you know, trying to get over this, how much do you want to get over it? And at a certain point I'm like, that's why duathlon exists. Yeah. You're allowed <laughs> I'm to like, be afraid. Yeah. This is why I'm like, I need to, I'm like, I've never knew condo living was going to have so many animals in my life. I'm like, Oh goodness. I don't know. I don't know. I need, I need a lobotomy or something. If someone can uh, help me with this. Um, I do not want to do exposure therapy. Please do not send me any bunny pictures. Do not send me any small animal pictures. I cannot deal.
1: Oh my gosh. Well, thank goodness for Nancy. And I I'm yeah. I mean, from, I feel like well, I won't say yes. Yeah, so I will say this: we. I feel like we're going from the mouse to the bunny. I can't wait to see what we have next. This is no, gonna like uh, the
2: adventures of I'm going to go there. There's going to be like a deer in my garage, and I'll just be like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done with all of all of it. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I I did eventually. I like took a shower, had some food, finally got back on the bike, got my ride done, finished like my short workout in the dark, which was like, that's the only thing it took me like all day, but I got it done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good job.
1: Good. Well, nothing like that exciting has been going on here. It's mostly been just the standard, um, question of whether or not I'll be able to drive up the driveway with the snow conditions that day. So
2: <laughs> oh, wow. that's Do you like the most exciting
1: part in my life. So we, we have like two weeks ago, we got a storm and just the way our yard is like, we just don't get sun to really melt it. And so it's just been freezing and then melting a little bit of freezing, but it hasn't, it hadn't really gone away. And then last night we got, I don't know, not as much as they were expecting, maybe three more inches, but like a wet, heavy snow. And so I still, I like dragged my feet and finding some snow tires for this season. And so I don't have snow tires on my car yet. They're not getting mm. on there for another week and so um it's just getting up the driveway it's like an adventure every time and so is your driveway paved like do you shovel it no it's like dirt it's a dirt driveway and it's not very long but it is pretty steep like it's a short steep hill I guess and so um it's just usually that last little like kicker of the hill and it's like first of all it's scary. Like when you're trying to drive and you're like, not, you're like sliding all around and then you're on the steep hill and we have like this rock wall thing. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, one of these days I'm just going like, to slide myself into the rock wall. But if you slide off the other side, you get stuck in this like little ditch, like not a treacherous ditch, but like a ditch. And then one time I had to get, go across the street and get these guys sons to come like push my car out. Cause I got it, had gotten it stuck. Right. So sometimes you just need to like be okay with the sliding and like really you know gun it and just go for it, but that's not really my driving style. So um one more week counting down the days till the snow tires come on. And then it's gonna be my first Are you year doing of like, snow
2: tires. I'm doing studded like studded tires. Okay. I'm yeah. saying yeah, I do think in that situation you need to go full studs. <laughs> yeah. So I'm excited to see how that changes
1: my life because I will say that at least now my knee is in condition that I can like walk up and down the driveway and not be scared too much of like slipping and falling. Um but when you have like groceries or a swim bag or something, and you're just like, it's a lot sometimes when the snow is slippery and you're trying to make your way. Um, but yeah. I guess that's what I signed up for living in. You don't need around. another
2: injury at this point. No, no. Uh, what is, how is your knee status? I, saw, I think I saw that you were riding a little bit. Can you get out on the fat bike? Would that be an option for getting out of the house?
1: So I'm hoping to here. Um, I'm treading very lightly. I had tried to start kind of ramping up exercise maybe like three weeks ago now, and it was just too early. My knee really didn't like it, and the swelling got like out of control. So I have worked on that. I'm I got myself like back to kind of square one with the knee, and then have been ramping up like very, very slowly. And so I'm walking like 10 to 15 minutes every other day or so right now on just the treadmill, just keeping it predictable. Um, But I am starting to ride and put a little bit more effort into the riding and swimming too. I can like swim with a little bit more effort now, which is cool. Um, So it's coming along. It's just, I mean, everyone warned me that this was gonna be one of the slowest recoveries possible and they were not lying. So I'm just embracing the fact that people weren't lying to me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is what it is. It's nice when people oh, are honest. at least yeah, they're honest. But I do think, oh, to answer your question, though, fat biking should be a option depending on the conditions and um nothing like too treacherous because I bet I guess until February, um when I can start trying to, like, in theory run, um, the cartilage is just still healing. So I'm really not trying to take any chances of like, falling onto that knee or doing anything until February timeframe. So, um, you know, that said, if people have been fat biking, if the conditions are like perfect for fat biking and I have studded tires on my fat bike, which I do, um, it's pretty like pretty safe. And I just could not go down anything that seemed, you know, like chance of falling. Um, just send all my friends down first and check it out. Right. But, uh, I will, I'll probably still wait at least a month before even going out when like conditions are good, but I am excited to like, start to maybe see the light at the end of the tunnel with some more exercise
2: possibilities here. So um it's coming along slowly but surely. Yeah. I was also just thinking from a commuting perspective, if you can't get your car out. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, can you get like milk and sugar?
1: It would be well to the general store is
2: where milk and sugar is.
1: That would be a good commute for my fat bike because it is just a mile. Um anything further than that would be like a really really cool long commute though but it would be interesting to try one
2: day some people do yeah. it some people are hardcore around here um anyway well I'm glad I'm glad things are okay I'm glad we'll get those snow tires uh we have a, a cool deal for our listeners this week that we get to chat about uh try hard one of our sponsors is offering an extra 10% off their already discounted bundle that features Lucy Charles Barclay, the Ironman world champion, Lucy Charles Barclay, her favorite products. Uh, Try hard, uh, you know, has been a long time supporter of ours and they make really good swim pre swim um, and post swim products like shampoo, conditioner, body wash, body lotion, and the ever popular eye gel. And so I think those are the five products that are, that are in the oceans five, the oceans 5 bundle that is lucy's favorite and so if you want to use the code participate at the link in our show notes uh it's a fairly long link but, um we're, we're linking to it in our show notes but put that in your car, use the code participate and you'll not only get 10% off but you'll also get entered to win a signed swim cap a swim cap signed by lucy charles barclay so uh check out that that uh if you need a stocking stuffer for yourself or anyone else in your in your life I love it. I love that. Yeah, I'm. I feel like if you got a signed cap by
1: Lucy Charles, do you think people will be wearing them or like holding on to them?
2: Uh okay. So this is like someone who has cleaned out their closets lately and has a lot of signed caps from their childhood. <laughs> they do not keep. them. <laughs> I mean, I think maybe so wear you it. keep it for like use a little it in the while. Pool. Wear, use it in the pool,
1: and like just do it right. Like <laughs> enjoy it while it. you have it.
2: Maybe keep it for like a year, you know, <laughs> while she's like, but don't keep it for like 25 years. <laughs> um, like, they kind just of just figure like, out how to preserve actually, it, I guess they were, I know, I get, you probably could, you probably like could frame them and they would probably yeah. be okay. If you just like shove them in a bag in your closet, uh, they kind of, j- especially if there's a stack of them, they just like melt together, <laughs> and then maybe like in your various moves, they have uh, they have sort of melted together. But I have a few. I think I have like Gary Hall Jr. Oh, um, oh. I'm trying to think of, like from my childhood, like yeah. I got to be oh, and I gosh. definitely stood in a few lines. And um, I know it's it's Amy Van Dyken. I'm trying to think of some other ones, but I. Um, I mean, I should have gotten several others when I was yeah. like at, at meets with them. But then I was like in high school and I was like trying to be cool. Yeah, cool and be like Michael signing. Phelps, I don't need your sign my cap. <laughs> <laughs> but um I think maybe also the other thing would probably be if these are like brand new swim caps, they probably keep better. I think when I was a kid, I would go get like take my cap off my head and get it signed. Oh, yeah. So it's like wet already, and then it probably doesn't help the longevity of No. The cap. But, um, still very cool, very cool thing. I, the other thing I was just thinking, this would be a good, like, uh, you know, white elephant or a secret Santa thing to bring to like a party. Don't you think a a bundle of like try hard, like, Mm -hmm. like, you know, special shampoos and conditioners. If you had like a swim group, uh, holiday party. Yeah, no, I like that idea. So, um, head to the link, get an
1: extra 10% off with the code participate and Haley, we did get a mailbag this week, and the mailbag from Sophia was just requesting that we interview someone who has kind of gone through red S and has, um, you know, since trained and raced and kind of their journey with that. And
2: um,
1: I and red S was... is
2: relative energy deficiency syndrome. Is yes. that correct?
1: Yes, okay. you are correct. I believe
2: so. Um,
1: we realized that we um. Probably have a lot of new listeners too around this time after Kona. And so we wanted to catch everyone up on and get on the same page because this time last year, we actually, with Feisty Media, had a whole red S awareness. Was it a month? I think it was a month, right? Um,
2: several yeah, I weeks. think it was around like October, November of 2022.
1: Yeah, so I would check out some of the interviews we did around... This time, like late November, I feel like October um, last Eloise, year.
2: Eloise Dillard was ours right. on okay. Iron Women. But yeah, every, every show in the Feisty Network did a different perspective on Red S.
1: Yeah. And so recently, the Women's Performance Podcast, um, their September 16th and their April 10th episode has both featured Red S stories. So check all of those out. And, um, Sophia, we will be creating our 2024 lineup to come soon. So we will definitely look out for something, someone with that as well.
2: Yes. Thank you for the question. And if anyone else has questions, you can write into iron at gmail.com. And Haley, we have a
1: fun interview for everyone this week. So this week I talked to Dr. Candace Brown. She is an assistant professor of gerontology and her research interests lie in aging and motivation to exercise and um she's also a triathlete so she has extensively studied motivations of aging black women um in triathlon which is really interesting kind of um, group to work with so we talked about all of that as well as her latest study on motivations which is of the women who raced in kona for the iron man world championships That survey that she's doing on those women's motivation is currently open. So if you're a woman listening who raced in Kona this last year, head to our show notes, get the link, take that survey, um, help Dr. Brown out with her research. And even if you watched from the sidelines with me, there's a lot of useful insight from her studies. So I hope you enjoy hearing from her too. After a word from our sponsors. Dr. Brown, welcome to the Iron Women podcast.
0: Thank you for having me. I appreciate being here.
1: So, as I like to begin all of my interviews these days is to celebrate off-season a little bit and how people choose to spend it. But we were just chatting a little bit before I hit record here and it sounded like, you know, maybe this week will be kind of more of an enjoyment of the off-season for you. Um so, you know, I guess I should confirm that are you in off-season and like what's your favorite way to kind of spend this time? and maybe you can tell people about last week a little bit. (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I'm definitely in off season. Um, this off season, I'm actually focusing more on my run. Uh, I had to take about four years off from running because I was having some knee issues. And so I spent a lot of time just doing aqua bike, which I thoroughly loved, but, uh, this year I was able to get my knee kind of back on track. And so I was able to do some more triathlons. And so my coach and I talked about spending the off season, focusing on getting faster on my run. So for the first time ever in my life, I think for an off season, I actually have a more focused um, idea of what I'm doing. Usually I just you know, try to keep up with my swimming, biking, running, lifting, sleeping. And, uh, but this, this off season is going to be focusing on running, which I'm really excited about because running is really my first love of triathlon. Did
1: and, you, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Did you do anything specific in the last four years? Do you think, or was it just kind of giving your knee like time? Cause I think a lot of people think that like, as they we're all conditioned to be like, okay, at some point, you know, our knees might not bounce back, right? Do you think it was just giving it an extended break or did you try anything different?
0: It was definitely an extended break. So I've been a runner my entire life and I think it just finally kind of caught up with me. And so taking the time off, I got PRP oh, okay. for my knee. Mm-hmm. I was uh, in rehab. I'd had rehab for about nine months where I was consistently going and had exercises I was doing and really just trying to strengthen my knee. And in the meantime, not running, which Mm -hmm. was very, very hard. Um, It was very sad for me (laughs) not to be able to run. So yeah, that, but yeah, it was about four years I took off and it was, you know, it was worth it.
1: Okay. And so I know that you were a little under the weather last week and you talked about this morning, maybe kind of getting back in the saddle, literally. Um, So it sounds like you're kind of back to some activity. Do you and your coach have a plan for how to approach the run? Um, Are you someone who doesn't even want to know? You're just going to execute with whatever your coach puts on each day?
0: No. So we do have a plan. I'm going to be running at least three times a week. Whereas normally during the season, I'm only running twice a week. And then as we get closer to the season, we'll, you know, ramp it up a little more and then, you know, back off. So I know that she's going to have me doing a lot of um, sprints and um, working on hills, which I'm not the biggest fan of, but it makes me faster. And so I do like to know what I'm doing. Uh, she does a very good job of giving me an overview for the week so I can look at what is going to happen and how I'm going to be tortured. And then I can complain about it and tell myself to suck it up and then move forward.
1: You know, I literally used to be the athlete that would like fake having to tie her shoe when I would hit a hill. And if I was running with people because I hated hills, which is so ironic now, given that I love mountains and the adventures in the mountains, right? But then in college, I ran with this friend and I was just like, Annie, like, you're so good at hills. Like, how do you like it? And she's like, oh, I hate them, too. She's like, I just told myself, like, every time I was running hills, I love this hill. I love this hill. I love this hill. And she goes, and then eventually you start to believe it. And so I still do that to this day. You can try as you're working on some hills. You just... Don't let your mind wander at all. Just tell yourself, I love this, I love this, I love this. And I don't know. I don't know if it works or if it just distracts you (laughs) until
0: you're at the top. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not quite sure about that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, so I tried to look up some of your racing this season. And I think you, did you do Aquabike? Did you do Atlantic City 70.3? Was my research correct? Okay, okay. Because it did look like you had a pretty good season of racing culminating with Atlantic City 70.3. And so you know, did you have goals for the season as a whole? Did you like racing in Atlantic City? So my
0: goal really was to do two um 70.3s. And what happened was my, the first one I did was Happy Valley. And I did that one because it was going to be the first one. And because I am a Penn State alumna. So I was so excited. And I have a daughter who's a sophomore there. So I was like, I'm going back to Penn state. And my husband graduated from there. I have a nephew who's a senior there. I have another nephew that graduated like we're a Penn state family. So I went there and actually a couple of weeks before the race, my knees started acting up and I realized it was because I had been putting so much, I'd been putting so much running time into it and not really taking the time that I needed to prepare. I, I, I just, I don't think I was very smart about it. And so I, um, contacted Ironman, asked them if I could switch to a relay. They said, definitely you can do that. Cause I was like one of the first people to sign up. Um, and so I contacted, uh, my racing partner, Alexis Barberin, who also graduated from Penn state. And I was like, Hey, do you think you can do the run for me? I can do the swim and the bike. And she said yes, so we did that. It was a fantastic way for me to be able to get back into the longer courses for me, um, and it really did help me prepare for Atlantic City. I loved Atlantic City. Um, the race venue was great. Um, the people were great. It was, uh, it was just, it was a really great day, and it wasn't like super hot outside. It was cloudy, overcast. Apparently, there was a dolphin that came in the water at some oh. point, which I'm glad I didn't see because, um, yeah, I would <laughs> got out of the water. I know that's the dolphin's home, right. but <laughs> I don't, I don't want to see a dolphin in the water when I'm in the water. So, um, but it was great. I'm, and then I learned that the I think uh, USAT the uh, nationals is supposed mm-hmm. to be in Atlantic City. I'm so stoked about that. Like, I cannot wait to go because I really did enjoy, I really did enjoy Atlantic City. I didn't like all the tolls that I had to pay coming from North <laughs> Carolina. But,
1: yeah, there's um, really no back way to get there from North Carolina except just there, up 95, it,
0: right? <laughs> oh my gosh, it's the worst. And I didn't even know uh, I will be prepared this time. Let's just put it that way. Right. I'm I'm going to be <laughs>
1: Okay. Is. And you know, as I was scrolling through some of your race results history, this is like a super random question, but I couldn't resist from asking. I found that one of the races you've raced at least a couple times is the three pigs triathlon. I think it's the Chick-fil-A, three pigs triathlon. And I'm like dying to know do you get Chick-fil-A at the end? Is you do. As as it you is do. A, so this is as good as it sounds like it should be, right? Yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes, you do get Chick-fil-A after you finish. And um, honestly, that's the only reason why I go. Oh, <laughs> yeah.
1: no, I was like ready to throw my name in the hat. I was like, I need to, I need to get myself down there for this one. So that I think people should be putting on their bucket list for sure. <laughs> sure. It's,
0: a, it's a great race too. It is. It's a fun race, actually. It's a really fun race, but the Chick-fil-A, oh, and they always have these piglets that <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. They're so cute. Every year they have all these little piglets that you oh, can Oh, like go real with.
1: piglet. Yep. Like real. Oh my gosh. Yep. <laughs> the cutest things. I was imagining yeah. people in costume, but this sounds, oh, um, this is great. Well, they, yeah. I
0: think they have that too, but okay. yeah, they've got, they've got real little pigs that are there. It's three of them. And, you know, every year they get new ones.
1: Oh my gosh. Can't
0: be the same ones every year. Right. So.
1: <laughs> we won't, we won't think too much about that, I guess. But, um, and so I think then you kind of maybe wrapped your season up, I'm guessing by heading to Kona. I think you got to spectate out there and experience the first, like, you know, women's only, um, time on the big Island for the Ironman world championships. I'm so curious. What did you think of the atmosphere out there?
0: It was awesome it was amazing. It was breathtaking. It was, it was honestly one of the most, most beautiful experiences I've ever had in a race and not, and of course I wasn't racing. I was there to support my coach who was racing, um, Sarah Larson. And then also some of my friends who were racing from core and, um, black triathletes association. And I just, really really loved seeing all of these women from all over the world it was just as I've never experienced anything like that before and the spectators were so I think they were so enthralled with everyone like it just I don't know it was such a great experience I loved it like I want to go back again just to be there and to support the women again I want to do it again um never want to race that <laughs> race. it was it was honestly uh, I, l- I love my coach she said you know there are two different types of people who come to kona there are people who are the one and done and then there are people who come here and then they want to do it again and i said sarah there's a third person yeah. and that person is me who comes here and realizes that they were correct in the fact that they never want to do this race like <laughs> it is It looks so torturous to me. And for somebody who's not a fan of Hills, this is not, this is not for me, but I would go again and again, just to support the women who are racing. That to me was great. And I got to go with my daughter. She came with me and, and she's just as sarcastic as I am. So we just had a blast. We had a blast.
1: That's awesome. I, I, I agree. It's been like 10 years since I raced there as an amateur. And every now and then I kind of get like a feeling of like, oh, maybe I should figure out a path back kind of thing. And then I'll go out there to like, you know, coach or spectate or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, no, (laughs) This this is not like none of these things are my strength. Right. So like, yeah, like spectating is fine. And I, I totally agree with you that having that like women's atmosphere, I think For the first time elevated the spectating experience, I think, to one that is like worth experiencing, you know. I mean, going and watching the race with the men was was cool too, but it really is just like this next level kind of experience to see and be a part of the women's only racing that there. It's yeah, it was. I'm glad you had the same feelings.
0: I did. And you know, there were, if I'm not mistaken, there were only three women, I believe, who didn't make an out of the water in time. And to see all of these women, like just their strength, was just—it was so inviting for me, mm-hmm. right? To 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 be a part of them. I don't even know any of these people hardly, but you're just calling out their numbers, or you're are you calling out their bike colors, or you're calling out their their team name, and you're just like, go do do go, you know, you're just saying whatever. And to see their faces light up in that moment when they're like coming up on mile eighty, and it's like it's mile eighty, it's you're you're tired, you're done. But to be there and to see their faces light up and know that there are people there who really believe that they can do this, just I don't know, like it was it was it, it was extremely inspiring. It was not inspiring enough for me to want to do it, but it was still inspiring. Yes.
1: Yes. Oh, I love it. Well, I, I do want to talk to you a little bit about your your day job, too, um, which is in academia as, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you are an assistant professor of gerontology at the University of North Carolina in Charlotte. And I think it was the 2016-2017 timeframe when you wrote your dissertation on the research on researching the motivations for midlife to older black women which would be 36 to 60 years old um who participate in triathlons and admittedly Dr. Brown I have to tell you I am a math person and so I understand how hard like quantifying even the most quantifiable things can be at times and motivations sounds really hard to quantify and so I dug into it a little bit more and I learned a bit about a method that you call MOMS, so capital M-O-M-S, um, which stands for the motivations of marathoners, which is kind of like a a way to kind of quantify motivations. Um, and then you adapted that for triathletes. So I know this is a huge question, but can you give us kind of a podcast version of how you measure the motivations for triathletes?
0: Okay. So... The moms or the moms tea, basically, what it does is um, it was developed uh, by Kevin Masters. And basically, what it does is it takes um, different aspects of motivation. So you look at um, the general health orientation of a person, their weight concerns, the recognition that they might receive because of the work they do the competition that goes into, uh, racing, personal goal, achievement, psychological coping, and self-esteem. So they have these scales and basically what they do is they measure, um, on, on a scale of one to seven, whether or not you personally identify with different statements that are related to these different scales. And, um, so once you have the um, the different, I guess, the numbers, right? You have a, a total number. What it does is it basically, it helps you to understand whether or not you are more motivated to be in triathlon based on um, for example, like receiving recognition from people or whether or not you are more motivated by your own personal goals, or if you're more motivated by, um, having higher self-esteem does being in triathlon give you higher self-esteem? So that's, that's kind of like the podcast version of it. Okay.
1: No, that's good. That's good. And I definitely want to encourage our listeners. I will link to um I think you wrote actually the article for Triathlete Magazine that came out kind of talking a little bit about that and your story and has some of you know we don't we don't need to necessarily go through like all of the results here today because that is that is out there. They can find the whole um article that's published about it. So, you know, but I am curious are are there weaknesses in that method or blind spots where, you know, it's hard it just, you know, it, it, again, coming from the math side of me, I'm like, man, this just seems like you could get people really interpretate, interpreting things kind of very differently.
0: Yeah. So I would say like, there's always going to be a weakness or a limitation to any type of research that a person does. Right. And the thing that makes it difficult to look at numbers alone is that um, a person in the way that they personally feel on a scale of one to seven, isn't necessarily going to be the same way that another person might feel on a scale of one to seven. And so to kind of help alleviate the um, the 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 own personal views from a quantitative scale, what I did is I went ahead and then uh, backed it up with doing some qualitative interviewing. So we interviewed the women to kind of understand what exactly they meant when they said, for you know, like if they gave a number six to, um, you know, going ahead and doing triathlon because they 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 rec- they like receiving medals, right? And that was a number six for some, and it was a number two for others. What exactly does that mean? And so, in talking to the women, you know, some of them would say, well. I only do triathlon because I want the blame. I want, that's the only reason. Like, that's the only reason why from a recognition point of view, why I do it. Whereas somebody else would say, well, yeah, I I like receiving the medal, but that's not the most important thing to me in, in receiving the type of recognition. It could be, well, I actually appreciate receiving the recognition from the spectators who are out there. are cheering us on. That means more to me. So it, you know, so I'm, I love doing mixed methods Mm -hmm. only because I don't feel like you can get the whole story from only interviewing people. And I feel like you can't get the whole story only from doing surveys. And, and so that's kind of what I do to kind of try to, try to balance out the potential limitations.
1: Yeah. It actually, it sounds a lot, almost like coaching and trying to balance coaching versus with that data sets only and coaching versus perceived effort scale. Right. And trying to find what that actually is for that athlete and that, you know, given their environment and how they grew up even right. It like changes all of that for each athlete. um, And kind of, so yeah, I can, I can see that now. It makes a lot more sense to me. So thank you for that. And um, were there any results that surprised you along the way?
0: Um, you know, I think the 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 most important result, in my opinion, was that there was um another scale that came out of this that we ended up calling um triathlete lifestyle. I think a lot of times when people uh, choose to do triathlon, they don't recognize that if they continue doing it, it, it's actually become an embodiment part of their, it's part of who they are and it becomes a lifestyle. And, and I would guess that if there was somebody who used the moms only for marathoners, they would find the same thing that people move from this being a weekend thing or this, you know, or just being a race that you, a a race that you do two or three times a year to it literally becoming a lifestyle where you're like, okay, I have to live my life. In such a way that I'm always prepared to do this race, even though I know the race isn't going to be for another two or three months. I know that what I do now is going to have a direct effect on what is going to happen three months from now. And that's something that had not been, you know, discovered before in any type of triathlete research that had been done in the past. And so, um, and I looked at that and I was like, yeah, it makes a lot of sense, you know, that. People see this as a lifestyle. Does everybody see it as a lifestyle? No, definitely not. But for the people who I've talked to who are like, oh yeah, I've been doing this for 20 years. I'm like, uh, yeah, this is a lifestyle for you. This is, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is, it's past being a hobby at this point. Like this is, this is who you are. This is who you identify as. And so um, I don't, I wouldn't say it was, it was it surprising for me because it's part of my lifestyle, I think it was surprising to be for other women that it was part of who they are and part of their lifestyle also.
1: That makes sense. And so I, again, you were, you know, digging into a lot of this research in 2016, 2017, and then the world changed a lot in 2020. And, you know, suddenly the things that you were researching probably really, you know, your research started to walk hand in hand with like advocacy, right? And, all of a sudden you had this data set that was probably quite helpful for people and companies who were, you know, for for better, for sure, trying to finally um, identify and empower, you know, people of color in the sport and try and, you know, really allow it to be a place where everyone was welcomed and embraced and um, we could keep people and make it everyone's lifestyle, right? And did you, did you expect that? Was it Empowering, was it exhausting, enlightening? Um, I okay. <laughs> so
0: I will say that I was lucky enough, I think, um, to kind of capitalize on on the fact that I understood that there were people who were still exercising. And so I'm just now finishing up a research. It was a it was a over a two year uh, period of research on understanding the motivation for anybody doing any type of exercise during COVID right? Um, Just wanted to kind of understand for the people who were exercisers before COVID, what did they do and how did they stay motivated in order to continue exercising while they were being socially isolated, right? Because we weren't able to go to gyms. We weren't able to go outside In, in most states, right? We have states like Florida where you could just do whatever. But for the most part, people were not able to have the socialization, which is extremely important when you're exercising and, you know, and for triathletes also, um, it wasn't there. And so we're just now finishing up the results on that two year study, um, and finding out some really information. I can't say what we found yet, oh, shoot. Okay. But, <laughs> but, but I will say that, um, people's motivation changed,
2: mm-hmm. which
0: is not what I expected.
1: Huh,
2: uh, okay.
0: yeah, did not expect that. And, um, but, but people who exercise already have intrinsic motivation for the most part, they already on the inside, they're like, yeah, this is what I do. Um, but what regulated that intrinsic motivation is what changed. And I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is brand new. Um, Being socially isolated does change people, you know, into what is important for them. Um, from a perspective of, um, advocacy, I am a, um, honey stinger ambassador and had been part of their advisory committee, which focuses on, um, not only just, um, all athletes, but, you know, people in general, who might not even consider themselves athletes, people who like to exercise, and um, just bringing an awareness of not just the honey stinger products, but bringing an awareness of the importance of physical activity to all spaces. And so when COVID shut down, the CEO at the time had put a um, call out to all the ambassadors and basically was like, hey, We want to do something to um, increase awareness within our own company, you know, in order to um, help people everywhere and um, just basically asked for, you know, anybody who was interested in just talking to him. And I was like, this is the CEO? Like, he just sent his number out and was like, give me a call. And I was like, well, I'm going to give you a call (laughs) because I had some ideas. And um, they ended up putting me on the board.
2: That's
0: so now awesome. I'm on
1: the board of directors.
0: And I have learned so much about business. Like I am forever um, just really appreciative of the opportunity to work with them and to talk with them and to be able to, you know, and to help guide certain aspects of um, of what it looks like to do DEI work, right? And and at the same time, I'm learning so much from them about business because I don't have a degree in business. I, I study, I study old people. That's what I do. I love older <laughs> adults. That's what I do. So, um, so it's been great. And you know, and being um, being able to be a voice where a lot of times in companies, um, people are not provided a voice or they're not listened to, like I get to be that person. And so, and so that's my advocacy work in, um, in that space for exercisers. And of course I always slip in stuff about triathletes because that's who
1: I Right. <laughs> Good. As you should, as you should. Um, well, that's exciting. I, I won't pressure you to telling us the results from your most recent kind of study, but I will eagerly, I hope you like send them to me or something and we'll get them out to people once it's available. Um, Cause I'd love to, yeah, I think that is just fascinating to see kind of what makes, makes people go right. So um, would love to read more on that. And I think as I was digging into your research, the one thing that does come across very clearly is that For someone to have a group or, you know, a tribe of some kind, like their community, right? Their people, their, you know, swim group, whatever it is, right? The people that they're meeting on Monday at 5am who get them out of bed to run, right? Um, It's crucial for the motivation of Black women specifically in triathlon um, and I hate to have you pick favorites and I don't want to put you on the spot. So you can always send them to me afterwards and we can link to it later in social media or whatever. But um, if you have an organization or two that you specifically think does, um, you know, this very well of gathering community uh, for Black women in triathlon, let me know here. Um, I think it's a great time for people to be, you know, letting their donations fly in the holiday season and we can try and get a few going that way. So I don't know if you have any off the top of your head.
0: I do. I do. Okay, you good. know, I, Shout I, I, <laughs> so I wouldn't even say um, well, this one was started by a black woman, but the thing that I love about fast chicks is that it is inclusive to all women. And, you know, and, and that's the thing that I have really loved about the organization is that um, like if you get on their Facebook page, we have the best conversations (laughs) just being women in triathlon. And it's really cool because you have people who, you know, they adventure out and they do other things beyond triathlon, but it really is a community of women um, who support one another. And we're at different stages of life. We're at different stages of triathlon. We're at different stages of our careers and it's, um, And it's just nice. I just, I like it. So I would definitely say fast chicks is like my go-to space for, um, for support with women in triathlon.
1: Awesome. We will definitely link to that group for everyone there. Um, and I want to jump into some more recent, recent project that you've been working on as well. I think you are now studying The motivations for women triathletes who are participating in the, or who did participate in the world championship in Kona, Hawaii. And that's how, um, I saw your name recently. There's a survey circulating online and we will definitely link to that too. If there are women listening who are in racing in Kona and can help you by filling it out. So, um, what can women, what kind of questions can they expect to see in this survey?
0: Oh, okay. So, uh, first of all, i appreciate that. Um, because I think this particular research is extremely important simply because this was the first one of all women, you know, racing from around the world. And so, um, so some of the questions that they can expect to ask. So first of all, I can tell them that that there's within the questionnaire itself, the motivation one, there's 56 statements. It takes about 25 minutes to do. Um, so it's not doable.
1: Ladies, you can get your cup of coffee and sit down in the morning and fill it out.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's not, it's not, it's, it doesn't take too long, but it does take about, uh, 25 minutes or so. Um, but some of the questions that they would ask, or I would say some of the, uh, statements that are, um, that are asked are like um okay in in understanding the importance of triathlon for you um i would have a statement like um i choose to participate in triathlon because and then we'll have like the the 56 okay. questions and one of them might be um because uh i enjoy I enjoy seeing other people participate, or I enjoy biking, running and swimming. Or um, like I said before, like, I I like to see receive recognition from people who are uh, cheering for me, or um, I do it for health reasons, right for my physical health reasons, uh, which usually is like the number one reason that we get. Um, Most people do it for you know, physical health reasons or, um, beat, beat my time that I beat before, um, to be more fit. Um, I like to receive compliments from other people. It helps me to feel less depressed. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel more whole as a person when I'm racing, it gives me more life meaning. It helps to improve my mood. My family and my friends are more proud of me. Um, I enjoy competing with others. It gives me a leaner look. So those are the kind of um, statements that we have that, you know, ask people, you know, why are you doing this? Or why did you do this? And oh, so, I like
1: it. Yeah. And yeah. I think that women, you know, coming out of that race, entered the off season. I know there have been a lot of conversations about like post-race blues. And I think definitely doing that survey is like a good way to remind yourself, right? Why you're in sport. You just did this great Amazing thing, and just kind of reflect on yeah why you have this lifestyle that you do, and in the process we're getting you some good information too, right? So um, I'm definitely super interested in hearing the results of that. How long does it take you for when you know you gather enough data to being able to form some any kind of conclusions with this?
0: Well, my goal is to be finished by next year before okay, cool. uh, uh, before the next race in Nice. That's what okay. I really do. So hopefully if I can get more people to participate, the sooner I have participation, the more, the more data I have, the more, you know, quickly I can work through this. And so, but my, my goal is to be finished by next October so that I can have the results in Nice. I would like to go to Nice and be able to, um, have the results there, you know, and hopefully somebody, you know, will, um, understand the importance of this. Like, I don't think like a lot of people don't, don't understand how important it is to understand women Mm -hmm. and understand why we do what we do, uh, especially in triathlon. And so that's why I do
1: this. No, I think it's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. It's really, really interesting. I think it's awesome. So thank you for the work you're doing. Um, and Dr. Brown, you being an academic, I imagine that you feel there's always something left to learn. And I'm curious, is that the same way that you approach being a triathlete?
0: Almost oh, definitely. Most definitely. I mean, every year, um, so I've been racing since 2009. And every year I learn something new about myself. Every year I learn something new about um, how to be a more efficient racer. Um, and there are a lot of times where I learn how to do something and then I kind of forget about it during <laughs> during the race. And then it'll come back to me. And I'm like, oh yeah, 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 I gotta do this. This is help, this is helpful. Um, I would say this year, this past year, my swimming technique really got a lot better. Um and I'm really looking forward to seeing what that's going to translate to next, uh, next year. And so there's there's something always something new to learn. I don't, you know, I don't think there is a a perfect triathlete. I believe that you can have a perfect day. However, that is explained by you, but I also believe that there's always something to learn. And so, um, and I think that's why I'll probably do this until I die because, (laughs) because there's, there's always something new to learn. And I mean, and as I'm getting older, I'm learning more about what that even looks like for me, what what the aging process does to me as a racer. And um, and it's really interesting. And I'm, I'm coming to terms with certain things about myself.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that um, that feeling is shared by a lot of women, you know, who were athletes all their lives and now are facing kind of the master's era, right? And are... I think, I feel like, you know, the vibe is looking at it with like a interest, right? Like what's what's this going to be like? What's going to happen? Let's all like get through this together and figure it out because we're not stopping, right? We're doing this till we die. (laughs) Right. I just like, I
0: can't, I, I honestly cannot imagine my life without triathlon, which is why when my knee like bummed out on me and I'll never forget my husband was just like, so are you gonna take a break and i was like no i can still do aqua bike like literally to the point where my first race at, oh god yeah and then i ended up messing my knee up Ugh. no not my knee, my ankle and um was where had a had a cane literally at one of the races because I was like, you know what? I signed up for this race and I had been training for it. I can't run anyway. I wasn't planning to, but what I can do is I can walk with my cane from the water to my bike. I'll get on my bike. And after I'm done, I'm done. And that's what I did, which, you know, and, and I think I got second place for Athena too. And people people were laughing, but I was like, you know what it's a part of who i am i just you know i can't help it i can't help it i just i can't help it so there's something to learn even in that i learned something about myself i was like you know what i could give excuses all day long but you know it, it, what's this really about is it about me enjoying the moment or is it about me feeling like i have to prove something it's never about proving anything to anybody but myself and so um And I did with that cane.
1: (laughs) Well, I have to say, I think if someone were to study your motivations for doing it, that would, it would indicate a lot of, yeah, propensity to be doing this for for life and kind of that, you know, I don't want to say right or wrong motivations, but definitely motivations that lend to the lifestyle aspect of it. And um, as opposed to burnout and other things, wanting to move on to something else. So excited that you're in the sport and Sounds like you have a full plate of research and writing next season, but what about, you know, athletically with racing, have you put anything on the calendar yet?
0: So I think I'm going to go ahead and do, um, I'm going to do a 70.3 for sure. I haven't, haven't totally dedicated to it yet, but I'm thinking I'm doing North Carolina because that's where I live and I've never done it. And it's flat. And I love flat. That is fast for me. Um, so that one probably eh, for sure. I got to do at least one seventy point three Cause I do want to do a full in 2025. Ooh, so, okay, yeah. So I'm going to do another, it'll be my second. I've only done one. I did Arizona. And so I want to do another full in 2025. Um, I usually start off with a um a Duathlon. So mm-hmm. I uh, so I'll probably do a Duathlon in February and I'll sprinkle in a couple of races here and there. I usually do White Lake uh which okay. is also here in North Carolina, also flat. Heard
1: great things about that race too. I think they usually have a little pro field, they put money in for the the pros who can come down and race and I've heard really great things about that.
0: Yeah. So White Lake I love um and so I'll probably do that one also, but I don't know. I usually don't get my schedule together until January. And then, um, and then it's just like, I watch my bank account (laughs) turn into like a frowny face.
1: (laughs) It's the hardest time of the year, right? Like front loading all of that. But, um, yeah.
0: Oh, my family, listen, don't buy me anything. Just send me money. And then I, (laughs) I can use it to buy these races. Like, that's what I want to do. That's, that's what I want to do. You're like, well, we can buy you. I'm like, you don't need to buy me anything. Just-
1: <laughs> you got all the gear, got everything I need. Right. I don't need extra clothes. Right. Just not got to go to those races.
0: Just let me go to the races, fund my races. That's yeah. my goal on me.
1: <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, I, I will be cheering you on. I'm sure our listeners will be too. And we will be, eager to hear about the motivation research that you're doing. I think it is super important. Like you said, I think, um, you know, everyone listening to this podcast probably shares feelings about how, you know, hard it can be to find um, research on women, specifically women of color that you've done that research on. And like the work you're doing is very important and um, really appreciated. I think that, you know, it's, it's, needed and I just I can't say thank you enough for that and that I'm eager to uh get some my eyes on the results and yeah I think that'll be really interesting to put to use in like the podcasting realm and the things that FIC media is doing just to get more of what women want kind of out in front of them in the sport I think will make it a little better for everyone so good luck in your racing next year too enjoy your off season though now for for sure you know start with maybe a little bit of it sounds like you have a little run camp coming up to get back into running and and things like that. But thanks so much for your time today, Dr. Brown. And uh, we can't wait to see what the research says.
0: Thank you so much for having me on today. I truly, truly appreciate it.
1: Thanks so much to Dr. Brown for coming on. And as a reminder, if you are a woman who raced in Kona this last year, please head to our show notes, take that survey for her.
2: Um, Definitely the more women we can get taking that survey, the better her studies will be. Yeah. Super cool. I'm going to have to go check out that survey um, and see if my, my input is, is helpful. Uh, And just a reminder for our listeners, try hard, Use that code, participate and get Lucy Charles Barclays favorite bundle, the oceans five for an extra 10% off that link is in our show notes as well. And as always, if you uh, are looking for a special, something for the women's sports fan in your life, head to women's performance.com forward slash fan club and check out the merch we have for uh, yourself or the women's sports fans who uh, need to show off in the world. All right, Haley. I wish you a week of no
1: critters. So hopefully you can just get your training done drama free and enjoy, um, enjoy that and not have to yeah, deal with the drama.
2: Thanks, Lisa. I appreciate it. I, I am hoping the only animal in my life is cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. I even handle a dog. Like, honestly, I'm just like, like I, animals and I definitely <laughs> working on it. Maybe. Anyway, but um, I hope you have a a not too much snow filled week and can still get out of your driveway and good luck with your new snow tires. But it's been great catching up, Alyssa. I'll talk to you next week. Bye Haley. You've been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited by
1: Lydia Russell and produced by Ellen Titian. Head to livefeisty.com to find
2: more podcasts, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening.